Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I want to invite you to get ready to say yes. One of the most exciting and life-shaping words people say today is yes. And when we say yes to God, we become exactly who we were made to be. God is always inviting us to be his friend and to be his partner. It is an invitation to get close to him and then join him in what he wants done. Saying yes to friendship and saying yes to partnership changes everything. We're going to meet people whose yes to God has shaped their very lives and the lives of so many others. We will be encouraged, inspired, and we're going to find new ways to say yes to a friendship and partnership with God. So grab your coffee, get yourself to the gym, get ready for that bike ride, or do whatever you do when you take in a podcast and join us today as we say yes and become. Hey, this is Leonard Lee. Welcome to Say Yes and Become. And we have a special guest today. Uh, Dan and I have known each other since uh, his teen years. I think I might be a couple days older. Uh, he was with Youth for Christ way back in the day. And uh, I think you were a student with Youth for Christ. And uh, God has taken him on an incredible journey. Uh, he met his wife through Youth for Christ, I believe, if that's a, that might yes. be accurate. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, and it's not a matchmaking organization. It's Youth for Christ, not Youth for Dates. But um, I would, I'm going to let Dan introduce himself, tell you a little bit about himself, and we're going to jump right in to say yes and become. Thanks for having me, Leonard. This is great. All right. Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, my, my name is uh, Dan Biddle. I'm the president of a ministry called Genesis Apologetics. We provide uh, free biblical creation uh, training and teaching to pastors, students, and parents. And uh, most of our, uh, of our uh, platform is on YouTube and Facebook, but we also do a lot of in-person training also. So I'm happy to be here and talk about whatever subjects you'd like to cover. All right. We want to talk not about politics today. Um, <laughs> Dan, our, our podcast is uh, Say Yes and Become, and it comes from the premise that God gives us two invitations and they run from Genesis to Revelation. The first one is, would you just come and be close to me? Abide in me, Jesus said it that way. Uh, and then he said, and I chose you that you would bear fruit. Let's become partners in, in, in what I want done in this world. And um, uh, you have taken some very unique steps in making that happen. Uh, and I, I want to clarify that your steps didn't begin then. Your steps really about everything you do. And the person that you are, whether it's uh, uh, an HR consulting company or uh, a business venture, you've always modeled that you and Jesus are friends, and you've always modeled that you want to be a part of what He's doing in the world. And and I I I see that in you. Um, but let me just start with a quick question, which is, um, tell me about some of the most significant yeses that you said to God in your life. You know, I think the first one is when I gave my life to Christ when I was 11 years old at a junior high camp. And that was a huge first step. I still remember that night. It was amazing. I committed my life to God and he took it from, from that point forward and has done amazing things. Uh, after that commitment, I did have a time of straying away from the Lord, got into a teenage rebellious stage for, for a little while, uh, but came out of it when I was about 17 years old. And I'd like to say I've been walking with the Lord ever since. Oh, that's wonderful. And so uh, at a junior high camp, you, you heard something that, that, that piqued your interest in faith. Can you remember anything specific that drew you in to that? Yes? You know, I, I think the best way to put it, Leonard, would be to say for me, I don't remember it being a, an intellectual exercise. It wasn't an academic convincing. I would say I was truly drawn by the Holy Spirit and had a regenerate soul. It was God's idea, not mine. Hmm. I remember being at church camp and I just remember being converted. One, one minute I was who I was and the next, the next hour I wasn't, I was someone different. You know, wow, <laughs> I think I that's, that. um, for me is a true regeneration experience where, um, the Lord drew me and I became his and it happened in one particular evening. So I know everyone has a different story. Some people are drawn over time. Some people, it's a very quick instantaneous experience. And I think for me, it was a particular evening. And I just remember things changing for me that night in a very significant way. I love that. Um, so the majority of your life now has been spent on this side, the faith, the, the conversion side of yes. 
uh, yes to God. And he yes. spoke to your heart at that moment and, and it was transforming. Uh, what are some yeses that maybe you have said along the way that have drawn you to the place where you are now? You know, I think the, the, the next significant yes would be when I was 17 years old and decided to take on a life of sobriety. Mm. Uh, I was a rebellious teenager and exploring with all kinds of fun stuff as my friends were. And the Lord uh, drew me and convicted me of my sin and said, I want a sober and clean, Dan. And I took <laughs> that step when I was 17 and I haven't turned back. Thank God. Uh, I know it's a longer struggle for, for a number of people. And I've had all kinds of friends that have not gone uh, with that much of a 180 turnaround, but through God's grace, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And so that was the next yes, as I, as I surrendered my life and my choices regarding drugs and alcohol to him. And I, I, I went, I broke free and went, went clean when I was 17 and I've been able to, to keep it through his grace. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And then you, you were involved in an organization <laughs> called Youth for Christ. Um, yes. Their campus life is how they're represented on, on campuses. And, uh, and did they have an influence in your yeses as you kind of moved along the way? Absolutely. I jumped in and started serving uh, first when I was a single guy. And then after I got married, my wife, Jenny, and I began to serve with YFC. And that was very much where I I grew into a relationship of what it looks like to serve the Lord mm. and how to be a committed follower of him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> and, I, and I love that. Um, I love that. That's a part of your journey. That's also a part of my journey. Uh, I jumped into uh, campus life when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, Cause I just had some friends. I couldn't get to go to church. And so I yes. said, well, let's take them somewhere else. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, oh, I don't know if you ever knew a guy named Carl Grubaugh, but he was my campus life director. And then okay. Gary Fox became my campus life director, my senior year. Me Where, too. Same guy. And yes. there's thousands of people that can go back and attribute their faith journey walk with that, uh, with Gary Fox. Absolutely. That is a fact. He is, his yeah. yes is, uh, I stand on Gary's shoulders in many ways. Wow. So, uh, is there anybody that you'd say in your yes journey that you say, man, I stand on, I stand on their shoulders. They've shaped me in ways I can't even uh, tell the whole story to. Uh, certainly that the obvious one to pick is my mom. Hmm. Uh, my mom went through a, a rough divorce about the same time. I think right after I got saved, came back and the family decided to, to, to break up. And so I went through my rebellious stage and my mom went on a journey back to Christ and deepened her relationship and faith. And I think prayed me back to sobriety and prayed me into the kingdom and to a follower of Christ. So uh, she started bringing me to church, introduced me some, to some great Christian church camps that I went to as a teenager that solidified my faith and brought me back to him. But I think my mom's uh, DNA is all over my faith choices. So yeah, it would, it would be my mom. All right. Moms are, moms are impressive, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I yes. I uh, my mom's feet never touched the ground anywhere mine do, but her knees always hit the ground uh, before my feet there. You know, whether it was Africa, India, didn't matter where, high school campus, my mom was a prayer uh, oh, as well. And so we stand on that. That's great. Me too. Um, one of the questions that I write down, I always ask people is, um, as you think through what it means to say yes, uh, saying yes is a process. The, the Bible word might be sanctification. And the idea is that sanctification is not just about becoming holy. It's actually about becoming useful. And it's because the word means to be set apart for purpose. Uh, and so God wants to take and use our lives. And, and, uh, and so he sets us apart. And that part of that process is cleaning us up, giving, break, helping us break free and be sober, uh, changing our habits of what we see, say, and think, those types of things. Um, and you said yes to, to Jesus, then you said yes to sobriety. Um, and how has that transformed you or maybe something else that you said, I'm just say yes to God over this. Uh, how is that or continual yeses that you say, how do they transform you or sanctify you or just kind of set you apart for purpose? You know, Leonard, I wish we had an, an hour to talk about what happened to me about 10 years ago, but um, when people say that they were called into ministry, I always used to wonder, what would that look like? You know, did you get a dream? Did you get a letter from somebody? What, what does it look like to be called into ministry? 
And I'm not a super charismatic guy. I'm, I'm a very reformed uh, person, very, very Baptist leaning, if, if you will. But about 10 years ago, the Lord began marking my life in ways that would make a lot of people uncomfortable. He began getting my attention through all kinds of people that would come into my life. I even had a few dreams that were remarkable. Uh, one breadcrumb after the other, God began leaving in my life over a period of about six months where he made it expressly clear to me. And again, I'm not a, a woo-woo, follow your feelings guy. I, I'm a trained PhD behavioral scientist who spent decades testifying in court cases as an expert witness about statistics and research. I'm not prone to follow feelings, but God was very clear, began leaving these breadcrumbs in my life saying, son, you get to keep your business, you get to have other people help you grow it, but I'm going to call you into this ministry for a purpose that's set apart, that's sanctified, and you and I are going to do some stuff. And I said yes to that. And now um, through God's providence and through his help, you know, we have, gosh, I think it's 124,000 YouTube subscribers now. Our videos have been viewed 11.4 million times around the globe. And uh, every day we have about 8,000 views on our web our webpage and our, uh, our YouTube channel now. And I think all of that is a trickle effect of what God has done through my life and others. I'm not attributing any of that glory or success to myself, but I said yes about 10 years ago to a calling I felt convicted in my life. And now the ripple effect of that is, is profound. And even it even uh, just astounds me. Uh, it, it's because I know it's not my work. I, I could never engineer something like that. I'm not that, that smart or capable, hmm. but God took that little yes and through a sequence and series of events and callings that he put on my life. Now he's reaching, you know, thousands of people, even, you know, 8,000 people daily through our ministry. And I, I can't say it's my idea or my doing. It was, it's very much something he put into my life. Oh, I love that. I know that was almost the same time frame that, uh, that uh, we resigned our church um, and mm. started our ministry. You were going through transition uh, in 2011 was when we launched this, uh, the four gen wow. network. And there are some, there's some parallels to that in the sense that, um, God just blows our mind, you know, yes. we say yes. And he goes, that's all I needed. Uh, I have a local pastor friend, uh, around here. He says, just get your yes on the table and then watch what God does. Wow. And I love that. I love that thinking. Um, so, uh, you, you, Talk a little bit about your um, the journey that led you to a new place, a call in the ministry. Hey, describe that ministry for us. I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's on YouTube, Facebook, and we have a website. It's just, the ministry is just called Genesis Apologetics. So the website is www.genesisapologetics.com. And really, our mission, Leonard, is very straightforward. We provide uh, age-based free creation training curriculum from kindergartners all the way through college students. So we have a program called the Kids Zone that's for K to eight students. We provide free dinosaur books to age uh, kids in that age bracket. And we have a library now, I think of 20 some training videos that are targeted towards K to eight students. We have another program called debunkevolution.com. So same, same website, just debunkevolution.com. That's for fifth to 10th graders. And that's a great tool that homeschool moms use, homeschool parents use, and also uh, people that are going to public school because we take the top 10 pillars of evolution that's taught in life science and biology classes that are taught in public school. And we debunk uh, each one of them uh, one at a time with about two hours of training content through a skit format between two actors. So that's a great program. Then we have another one called uh, sevenmyths.com. So the word seven spelled out and then myths.com. And that's for late high school and college students right before you send them off to college. It's a great two-hour training program. Again, it's all free uh, where they go through and learn about the historicity of Genesis and all the evidence that supports our faith, ranging from Noah's Ark, Noah's flood, dinosaurs, the six days of creation, all of that stuff is covered in our seven myths program. Mm. And we have a ton of, uh, you know, assortment of uh, various other videos that are on our YouTube channel, but those are our main offerings. That's excellent. We're going to put links uh, in the show notes to all those things. 
um, so that uh, anybody who's listening uh, or subscribing to us, uh, they can they can just scroll down and find and click on those because <clears throat> I think those are, are incredible uh, resources. But let me let me see if I can um, uh, poke the bear for just a second. Uh, wh- why does it matter uh, that yes. you know you? <clears throat> You have some very specific ideas that, that I actually think we probably are in great unison on. Um, but for the person out there going, okay, he's talking about creation. Isn't that just science? Uh, mm-hmm. Give me, give me uh, some thoughts on why this actually really matters. Sure. I'll, I'll answer that in, in two ways. I think the first way would be, uh, we do get that question a lot about why does it matter? Could it be six days? Could it be six eras? Could it be six progressive days? What about the age of the earth? Could it be a gap theory? Could it be a framework theory? All kinds of different ideas. And I just challenge people to in two different ways. The first I would say is explain to me the gospel without quoting Genesis. Hmm. And one doesn't have to try very long to understand it's pretty much impossible. You need a real creation, a real infinite eternal God who put creation there in a way that he said he put creation there. Then you need a real garden with real choices and a real man named Adam who brought sin, death, and the curse of suffering into the world. Because without any of that stuff, you don't need a redeemer. Yeah. So Genesis really lays out the foundation uh, for, for our, our ministry and, and for the gospel uh, in general. And then the, the other way I would say it is to many millennials nowadays, they would say, look, Dr. Biddle, how many pages do I have to turn in the Bible before I run into truth? And I say, look, if it doesn't start in the first page, check me out. I don't want to be part of the Christian faith if the truth doesn't begin on page one, paragraph one, sentence one. And in sentence one, we have in the beginning, so we have time, God, the creator, created heavens and earth. We have space, time, matter, and energy in the first passage of the Bible. And so I want truth to begin in the, in the beginning. And if it doesn't begin in the beginning, many people today, especially millennials, the truth seekers are like, look, if it doesn't start on page one and I have to keep flipping before I decide when the truth starts, yeah. then when are they going to get signed up? So oh, those are great. a couple different ways of looking at it. Yeah, but that's great. We, we, um, uh, we train pastors around the world on just how to read and understand the Bible. And, uh, we tell them that there are two themes in the Bible and they, they're from Genesis to Revelation. And the first theme is uh, God is the creator. Uh, and that ultimately puts us in responsibility to him. And we always say the Bible starts out with God saying, hey, I'm God and I make stuff. Watch me work. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it's just incredible. And then the second theme is the second way God introduces himself. I'm God and I fix things. I redeem, you know, mm. in Genesis 3.15. And those themes run all throughout scripture. Uh, in fact, they're the culmination of worship in Revelation 4 and 5. Worthy are you, O God, to be praised. And that's the scene happening in heaven right now because you made everything. Uh, and yes. in chapter 5, worthy are you because you have uh, purchased men for God with your own blood. Mm. So those two themes, and that ties right in it. There can't be, there's no need for a redeemer if Genesis isn't true. Good point. Uh, And so I love what you're saying there. Um, And so it all ties back to Genesis and um, give us, give us how you figured that out. Wow, Leonard, that is an incredible thing. It happened in two stages. I can still remember it very clearly. The first is that, so as I, let me rewind a little bit. So as I mentioned, I'm a, I have a PhD in the behavioral sciences and I spent about 20 years as a testifying expert in state and federal court cases. So I'm very much an evidence guy, very much a show me guy, right? Pro- prove it to me. And after I got my doctorate, I went to, to seminary, actually right about that, that same time and, and wanted to become the next Bible answer man. I wanted to become an apologist and study all those things. And I remember <laughs> going to, to seminary and, and the, the theologian said, well, look, if you want to believe in the historicity of Genesis, the author who wrote Genesis was talking about the six days being real days. Yeah. And if you follow the genealogies in Genesis 5 and 10, you have to arrive at a young earth, according to the writer of Genesis. You can't go back more than 10,000 years or so. But then he said in the next breath, if you believe in science, earth has to be millions of years old. So you guys go figure it out. 
So that was kind of the the punt that the theologian made. <laughs> and so I was in a in a place of really what what psychologists call cognitive dissonance, thinking how in the world could this be true and that be true at the same time? How could Earth be millions of years old, but Genesis point to a young Earth at the same time? And so I was a little bit lost on that for years until I found my place where I spiritually humbled myself before the Lord. This is about 10 years ago. I said, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to trust it. You wrote it. It's in Genesis. It's inspired. I'm not. I'm going to defer and default to the Genesis account as true, real history. And I'm not going to pay credence to the theories and the ideas of man. And after I had submitted and humbled myself in that way, I went to a talk uh, by the current vice president of our ministry, Dave Bisbee, and the talk was Man Walked with Dinosaurs. And I went there as a great skeptic thinking, I can't believe this guy's going to believe this stuff. This is ridiculous. Everybody knows that dinosaurs went extinct 66 million years ago before mankind showed up on earth. And I went as a great skeptic and about halfway into his talk, I found myself pulling my hair out, what's, what's left of my hair, saying, God, I can't believe this guy. This is amazing. He was pulling out evidence after evidence after evidence, dinosaur soft tissue, dinosaur and dragon legends and myths from every culture around the world. All these things started leveling out and it really set me back. So I was so moved by the talk. I took a hiatus from my corporate involvement. I took about a two to three month sabbatical, if you will. I flew to Montana, looked at the dinosaur bone beds. I flew to Canada, looked at the dinosaur bone beds. And I went off of the rails. I spent thousands of dollars on books about geology, Noah's flood, and dinosaurs, those three mm. topics. And I plunged so deep into them. And about halfway through that research process, I had to just turn the computer screen aside and say, oh my gosh, it's all true. Everything in Genesis 1 to 11 is true. And the clinchers for me were really dinosaur soft tissue that they're finding in dinosaurs now around the world. 16 different variants of bioorganic materials still found in dinosaur bones today and the layers that are worldwide. It was overwhelming, Leonard, and it, it really caused me to be born again, again, if you will. Mm. At that moment, my head joined my heart and the separation, that chasm, that gap that I had of all these years and years worth of doubt about God's word fell away and I became a fully committed believer of scripture. Wow. You know, there's a, there's a tension for young people everywhere. <clears throat> and I think adults too. And we're, we're more conditioned uh, than ever to doubt our faith in the face of science. Um, mm. You know, I see that uh, on, uh, on high school campuses, college campuses, uh, in the media, well, science says, trust the science, the science says, you know, and the strict definition with what's within the realm of observation goes out the window uh, for science. And so can you say something to the person right now who's going, I, I'm in conflict between science and the Bible. Hell, you, you have this uh, cognitive dissonance going on in you and all of a sudden God's going, hey, there's some things uh, talk a little bit about that to the person listening right now. Absolutely, Leonard. I, I spent over 20 years in the behavioral sciences. I love science. I love natural sciences. I love the behavioral sciences. And it's really, really simple. If people give me about five minutes, I can usually create enough shift in their orientation of how they view science. And it comes down to one thing. People need to understand there really are two different fields and two different practices and two different orientations of science. There's observational science, which is real science. It's how we put people on the moon and make new medicine discoveries and how we do a observ observational science following the scientific method. And there's six different steps of doing that. And three of the six steps can't even be applied to the theory of evolution. You have to observe things and you have to test things and you have to repeat things. And you can't do that with the theory of evolution because the theory of evolution is camped back in the second form of science, which is a much lesser form of science and it's called historical science. And we can't go back through the lens of history. We can't go back a thousand years or 10,000 years or a million years and observe things, test things and repeat things. And when people understand that you can really bifurcate science into those two different frameworks, 
historical science, which is what evolution is based on, and observational science, they'll begin to clearly understand the history of the world. For, for example, songs and music only go back in a verifiable way about 3,500 years. Mm. Human writing between 4,000 and 5,000 years back. Now, you could, there's ways you can inferentially go back further than that by carbon dating, but just clear, good, old-fashioned observational science, you've got about 5,000 years of history, and that is it. That's yeah. as far back as you can go, and that's real science. Everything else requires inference, and inferences require assumptions, and if those assumptions aren't valid, then your theory and your findings are also not valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, we talk we talk a lot about uh, and when we work with leaders, we talk a lot about the the power of, and I'm going to make a leap here, so hopefully it doesn't sound too crazy. Uh, the power of gossip in use for the enemy, and gossip is to is to take something that is true or untrue and use it in a malicious way. Uh, in uh, Timothy, Paul talks about gossip two times. The second time he references it, he uses the word Diablo, uh, that basically it comes from Satan. There's an evil to it. And uh, inferential historical science um, sometimes uh, sounds like we're gossiping about history. And it's we're standing back going, and it allows us to assume, to fill in gaps with speculation, which is what gossip does. And uh, there's a, in, and I'm not trying to paint science in a bad way. I'm saying that sometimes the use of those tools uh, sound a lot like gossip. Does that make any sense at all? A- absolutely. I think gossip is one good way of looking at it. But here's, here's another way. When I would testify in court as a, as a testifying expert, the opposing attorney is not going to challenge me first about my conclusions or the data or the analysis tools. He's going to say, Dr. Biddle, what did you assume when you took your analyses into hand? And then if he, he's going to go after my assumptions and if he can debunk my assumptions or undermine them in any way or cast doubt about them, then he's going to say, well, Dr. Biddle, isn't it true? If your assumptions are undermined, then your findings and your conclusions are also faulty. And I would have to admit, yep, you're right. So if the assumptions behind an ancient earth or evolution or natural selection are not true, then evolution is also not true. And then amount of assumptions you have to make for evolution to be true are it, it's filled. Evolution theory is based on assumptions. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good way of looking at it. I love that. That's said so much better than, uh, than, than how it phrased it. I, I gathered some of that when I, years ago, I read the book Collapse of Evolution. And he just had a whole bunch, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but you're, he just had all this, the layers of dust on the moon and he had all these, you know, the shaping of vision in the eye and so on and why those things had to have happened quickly or there's just not enough dust on the moon to cover the time that we say, mm. you know, those kinds of things. And, uh, and um, what did you assume? I wrote that down because uh, that's just such a great question for everything. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, Papa's Rose Coffee, and then we'll be right back for some more, more conversation. So I got the thumbs up. (laughs) All right. Um, Say yes and become. We are always excited when someone sponsors our podcast. Today, I am super excited about our sponsor for two reasons. I love the product and I love the people even more. Here's what most of us know there are very few experiences that bring more joy than a great cup of coffee to start your day. From the first sip to the last, Papa's Roast Coffee is committed to making each cup special. Taken from a single origin coffee source, packaged in eco-friendly bags, roasted in small batches to get that perfect roast and shine on every bean, Papa's Roast Coffee is the perfect choice to start your day or share with a friend. I love to make a pot early in the morning and drink it while I read. We love the owners, Dean and Debbie Christ, and their commitment to the kingdom. Having personally watched the journey of Dean and Debbie that they have taken that move Papa's Roast from an idea into reality, I can tell you with 100% certainty that 
Papa's Roast exists today because they said yes. Why don't you say yes to an amazing cup of coffee and order some Papa's Roast today? Papa's Roast can be ordered at papasroast.com and we'll also put a link in the show notes if you want to find it then. Now back to say yes and become. Dan, as you, as you are uh, walking through this, uh, one of the questions that uh, jumped out to me was um, you, you, you address the science half of it, but the Bible is not seen as scientific. It's seen as theological or spiritual. Um, and yet there's, there's a lot of hard data and evidence that we can just pull from scriptures. Uh, the stories told the, and such. How, how um, do you mix uh, the science that you know with the scriptures you know in a, in a, in a well, and just how do you put those things together in a way that you go, this builds my confidence in scripture? Yeah, uh, for, for me, what really did it is Noah's flood. And if you ask your everyday Christian, tell me about Noah's flood, then well, they would say, well, maybe, maybe it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. It's about as much as many people would, would remember. And it's not a criticism. It's just some people don't want to drill down into the, the narrative. But if you look at the book of Genesis, chapter six through nine, basically, you have the flood account. It's the longest description of any single event in the entirety of scripture. And it describes the, a 371-day flood narrative where the waters are rising for 150 days and subsiding and then receding off of the earth for 150 days, and then earth dries out for 70 days. And it's amazing that science, the geological record, exactly reflects that process using these things called the six sloths mega sequences. We have evidence through the layers of sediment around the world globally that's now been mapped out on over three continents with over 2,000 oil core boreholes that substantiates the flood sequences exactly as described in the Bible. And the animals and the, and the, the death record are exactly in the layers you would expect them to find. Mm. So when you take science and geology and map it onto the flood account in Genesis 6 through 9, that narrative, it's a perfect match. Yeah, there are some things we can't understand and can't explain all of the way, but the, the match is really uncanny. It's more than one could ever hope to find. Mm, that sounds like a rock solid apologetic. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That, I love that. Um, you use the word training as you referenced your, your materials, whether it's Noah, whether it's students, the, the, the first through fifth, the high school, all that. Um, and we know the training is more than information. So uh, how are you uh, how are you effectively putting training in the hands of people who need it, who who rely on being well trained in this this apologetic? The way that we're doing that now to fit with the culture of a, we have a lot of thumb scrolling folks that want to you know, teens nowadays spend six point seven hours a day on their phones so. We're trying to go to the next generation where they're at on their phone. We have a free mobile app now. It's called Genesis Apologetics. You can download it on the Google Play Store or Apple iTunes. We have over 120,000 people that have downloaded that app and have found it useful. And it plums right into our short videos on YouTube. So most of our videos are only 10 to 20 minutes long. And they provide a short, fast, accelerated tour through compelling relevant evidence mm. and that's how we're answering your question that's how we do training different we sandwich it all into very well vetted facts and evidence and we take a quick tour tour a highlight through some sharp compelling evidence that people find very convincing so that's i think what really sets us apart from a lot of other ministries that are approaching the uh, the creation apologetic space i love that uh, the bible project has uh, it sounds like it has a very similar approach. I don't, and I, they do a lot of the drawing, um, uh, Tim Mackey uh, out of Portland. Um, yes. But they have done some amazing work uh, in, in, in the equipping of people. And I love that you're bringing that to, uh, to people who uh, consider research reading a 500 word blog. Um, 
<laughs> there you go. You know. Absolutely. We, we do the hard research for them. It takes us, you know, weeks to produce a video that might be 10 minutes long. Um, but we have a team of people that, that, that put it together and they do a great job. So mm, yeah, I very carefully that. vetted. Well, and now in, in terms of, uh, you say that globally, is it primary English speakers that are getting your information? It is primarily, but we've had volunteers step up and translate some of our leading videos into 13 different videos international, 13 different languages uh, internationally. So uh, we're, we're in Chinese, Portuguese, uh, Spanish, French, German, uh, all kinds of different languages. And it's, it's most of it's been done by volunteers. So yeah, we're in 13 different languages now. Yeah, that's a, excellent. I, I did some research uh, for the work we do and there's six languages that if you can tackle those six languages, you'll hit about 75% of the world's population. Oh, and, that's uh, great. Yeah, so Spanish, uh, English, uh, Mandarin, uh, Hindi, Portuguese, and French. Uh, yes, we've, we've hit all of those, thank goodness, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as yeah. you were describing them, I'm thinking, well, you, you guys are miles ahead of us. I love that because uh, <laughs> you already knew that. We've, we've translated quite a bit of our stuff into, into different languages, not into Chinese yet, but Hindi and Portuguese and Spanish and French and such. So it starts in English, Great. but it's bad English. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, here's a question uh, coming back to just a little bit of the say yes piece. Is there a, uh, is there a Bible character that you look at and go, their yes inspires me. Well, you know, l- l- let me pick two. I think David slaying Goliath and the yes to that is probably the most courageous act in all of history. <laughs> yes. So uh, that, that's a huge yes. But I think the more significant one for me would be the long drawn out discipline and commitment of Noah, hmm. who took most experts will say about 75 years to build the ark and talk, talk about commitment. And then you talk about the, the stress and the trauma after going through that for a year and the yes that he said afterwards when he lived over 300 years after the flood and raised kids and grandkids and great-grandkids that went on to tell the story and the legacy of the flood account and everything that happened after that. But, but for him to take the pre-flood history through the flood and with seven others on the ark is just... Uh, uh, it's an amazing, uh, courageous act. So saying yes to that is incredible. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, his contemporaries were guys like Enoch who walked with God and was taken. Uh, you know, these are people whose lives overlap because of the the length of life. And, yes. you know, I don't know if they lived in the same block, but their stories crossed over. That's how they could tell them later. Uh, yes. And In fact, Leonard, we have a a great video that's available on our YouTube channel that explains now through science how we know why they lived so long and how we can confirm that they did in fact live so long mm. uh, before the flood. It all has to do with genetic mutations of what happens to the human gene pool when you collapse it down to just eight people on board the ark. Everyone else dies. They get off the ark and then they begin system systematically living shorter and shorter lifespans Hmm. and the exponential math we've run it all out it's absolutely a truth in history so that's a fun website people can uh fun video people can look at oh i'm looking forward to seeing a lot of these uh you know we know that god said he shortened the days of man because uh they just got too naughty the longer they live the worse they got that's that's hebrew right there naughty um yeah (laughs) uh, and and so as you as you think about the earth, and I, this is just sort of an off the cuff question because it fascinates me, um, the migrations of people. Uh, so you have you have uh, Africa, the continent being filled. You have the move east towards uh, India and China, and then people groups say they say they moved up through Russia and then came over that way. I don't know the the science of it, but as you as you look at the the science of that and the patterns uh, have you have you done much work on and study of how the earth repopulated you know leonard uh, i'm glad that you asked that in fact it is an amazing time to be alive because a harvard trained geneticist by the name of dr nathaniel jenston with answers in genesis just published a book called traced 
where he substantiates the Babel dispersion described in Genesis chapter 10, mm-hmm. the fact that there were over 70 different language population groups that spread around the world. He's all vetted that out now with scientific uh, evidence using advanced genetic techniques. And if you send him your mitochondrial and your, your patriarchal DNA, your Y chromosome marker mm-hmm. that you can get through 23andMe or Ancestry.com where you swab your cheek and you send yeah. in the results for about 59 bucks, send Dr. Jensen your results and he will tell you which of the three sons of Noah you descend from. Hmm. I came from J- Japheth, but there's Ham, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Yeah. And based upon your results now, geneticists, even secular geneticists say we go back to one of three male nodes. Huh. It's amazing. The whole family tree on the male side goes back to three people. And it just so happens they're Noah's three sons. Yeah. So yeah, it's an amazing time to be, be alive. And science actually confirms that we came from the three sons that were uh, of Noah's uh, that came right off the ark just about 4,400 years ago. Oh, my word. I had no idea that that had been done, but that just uh, makes me want to send it off because I'm thinking, man, how did I become 40% Irish uh, when my whole family told I was uh, German and English? And uh, how did that happen? <laughs> um, now, tell me a little bit. I'm, just, I'm throwing this out to you because I saw it in the notes that I was making beforehand. Tell me a little bit about Lucy. Uh, who's been the standard bearer of the evolution story and human origin. Sure. If you open up any textbook today, you'll find Lucy prominently displayed in most sixth grade world civilization or world history textbooks, at least in the state of California and in most other states. You'll find Lucy as the number one icon used for pushing the idea of human evolution. But it's really, really sad because most people have not discovered the research that most recently came out on Lucy. Things like they've just recently learned that her thoracic vertebrae that they thought belonged to Lucy for for decades actually belongs to an extinct baboon. So they (laughs) accidentally included some false parts into Lucy. Lucy is prominently displayed in natural history museums all over the world. They show her with complete hands and fingers, but most people know that don't know that they didn't find any hands or fingers of Lucy or any feet or, or toe bones of Lucy, yet they take all these inferences and, exp- you know, and show Lucy, uh, you know, prominently displayed with all of these features. She was a three and a half foot tall ape-like creature that went extinct during the Ice Age flooding that happened about 4,000 years ago. And, uh, and even some research that's just been featured on CNN where these forensic investigators looked at Lucy's bones and discovered that she probably died while falling, going about 40 miles an hour, falling 35 feet out of a tree. But Lucy's claim to fame is that she was supposedly walking bipedally like humans do on two feet. So how could she be a biped walking on two feet if they determined she died while falling out of a tree? So it's amazing. Most people don't know these things But when you really uh, research Lucy, it's an amazing proof actually for creation. It's a proof for our side, Ice Age flooding, and not the side of evolution. So if you just go to our website, just genesisapologetics.com slash Lucy, you'll find all of our great videos about Lucy. And it only takes about 15 minutes to debunk Lucy. So she's an extinct ape-like creature that went uh, went extinct along with her whole family uh, after the flood. You know, I actually uh, was in Ethiopia and was in the Natural History Museum there. And they had her, her, uh, her bones and her, the relics of whatever that was. Um, and uh, I was with a bunch of doctoral students when I was working on my, uh, on my doctorate. And uh, they, were, um, they were just seduced by those bones. They were yeah. Seduced by the story and these are these are christian people who are not uneducated uh, but they just simply and and i know the right way to say this uh is um is they simply lack the confidence to mm. say oh the bible doesn't say that the bible yeah. says something different and so science was intimidating to them mm. And- wow, Leonard, it's, it, it is it's amazing. I mean, when you go to that place, 
in, in the it's in, it's in Hadar, as you mentioned, in, in, in Ethiopia. And you look, you carefully investigate, well, how did they find her bones? Well, do you know that they had to sift over 20 tons of material to gather what represents only about 30% of her skeleton? Yes. And at least one of the bones belonged to an, an extinct uh, bab baboon. So it's just like, what, what were people thinking? And they place all of their faith in that scant collection of bones and a little extinct ape, about 60 pounds, three and a half feet tall. And for some reason, think that she's our ancient ancestor. It's just, it's really sad. It's just really sad. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It is, it is sad. And I, I remember sitting with, uh, uh, we were all on a cohort together and we were sitting debriefing our, our time at the Natural History Museum there in Addis Ababa. And um, I made comment, I said, uh, you, you are allowing uh, speculation to intimidate mm. what God doesn't speculate about. Wow. He just That's powerful, did. Leonard. Yeah. And uh, we had some great conversations. Um, so you live with confidence in the scriptures. I know you do. Uh, that's kind of always been what I've known about you. You know, you're, mm. you, you function that way. Um, tell, say something to the person who right now is going, I don't have that confidence. Mm. You know, I would say it's a one-two punch. The first punch is uh, ask yourself one hard question. Read Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, where God said with his own hands, he wrote it. Exodus 31 says he penned this with his own hand. And he wrote in the fourth commandment on the Sabbath command, he wrote, I created for in six days, I created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. And the hard question to ask yourself is, what did God want the Israelites to believe about creation when he said oh, that? So good. Yeah. And if he wants the Israelites to believe it was six earth rotation days, the second question is, what does he want you to believe? Yeah. And when you say yes and amen to that, when you submit yourself to that authority under scripture, I believe there is a supernatural transformation that can happen to others. It happened to me. Because when I was willing to say yes to that, the Lord took me on a, a metaphorical journey, if you will, where he then supplemented that belief with evidence. I then understood about dinosaurs and cave bears and Lucy and Neanderthal. All that stuff came later, and he allowed me to discover those things because that's what research does. It allows you to discover, which means to uncover what's already there. The Lord only then allowed me after I had humbled myself under the submission of scripture, under his authority, he then allowed me to see the truth about the falsity of millions of years, the falsity about Lucy, all those other things became crystal clear to me. So now when I walk into a natural history museum or take a bike ride around the lake and I see all these layers of ash, I understand the truth of earth history yeah. Because the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Hmm. And that scripture reigns true with creation as well. Yeah. Is there, a, is there any um, micro pictures? You know, you, you talk about fossil records and then you, you, the sedimentary layers and such. Uh, and then we go and we watch Mount St. Helens erupt. And then you see uh, animals preserved in green spots uh, or uh, green spots come out of. Is there any current um, that you know of uh, examples of, of, of this story being played out today uh, just in contemporary world that we live in? Well, I, I think two of the things that, that, that one of which you mentioned is Mount St. Helens, you know, blows its top in the 1980s blacks out three states with ash and forms a, a, a Grand Canyon, something that's 140th the scale of the Grand Canyon. And it has stratified varves or sedimentary layers, one on top of the other. And it was formed in weeks and months over four different eruptions, hmm. not over millions of years. Yeah. So if you were to helicopter down a geologist in the middle of this canyon and ask him or her, what do you see? They would say millions of years of sedimentary deposits lay down over time. But the truth is they were laid down over weeks, months, and over four discrete eruptions. So that would be one example. But I think for me, the trump card of trump cards is dinosaur soft tissue, more specifically mm -hmm. collagen. 
And there have now been over at least five different peer-reviewed scientific secular studies that have established that they're finding preserved collagen in dinosaur bones that are organic to the creature, even at the molecular level. So there's no way of getting around it. They're finding collagen preserved in dinosaur bones. But the catch for them is that all these studies show that all the collagen should be gone in between 10 and 30,000 years because it decays. Everybody knows that. All biological processes are subject to decay. And the science around the decay of collagen says it should be all gone in 10 to 30,000 years. Some studies stretch it out to maybe 100,000 years. And one study gives it 900,000 years. But none of those year range uh, ranges will allow for dinosaurs to go extinct 66 million years ago. So they're faced with this quandary now and going, oh my gosh, now we either have to slide this timeline scale back on dinosaurs from 66 million years ago as their extinction to only thousands of years, or we have to adopt the biblical idea of they all went extinct in the flood, which they'll never do. So, and, and, and scientists right now, secular scientists have no good answer for this, none. They have some rescuing devices where they try to reach this and they try to preserving it with maybe some iron in the blood and some other things. But the bottom line is they can't answer it. But the Bible provides the answer. They're just not 66 million years old. They're about 4,400 years old, all perished in Noah's flood. So you must be a bummer to watch uh, Jurassic Park with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I actually enjoy those movies, but I have to ask myself the question, why is it? I think on the last one or the one before, why did they have to put the, the rescuing device of dinosaur soft tissue in the movie script itself? <laughs> There's a conversation that most people don't catch where they talk about how in the world could soft tissue be preserved in dinosaur bones and they slip it right in the movie. To oh, try to, they're trying to backpedal <laughs> in real, but I, I think that the new Jurassic World movie actually comes out tomorrow and I'm looking forward to seeing it. So yeah, it'll be too. fun to go watch. Me yeah. too. So let yeah. me let me uh, put this question at you or to you. Um, obviously, you have, are providing resources, you're doing stuff. Uh, um, we believe in disciple making that what uh, when Jesus when Jesus sent out his friends on their first mission trip, uh, he, he gave them final instructions. He says, whatever you've been given freely, freely give away. And the current contemporary church, and we use that verse for giving money, um, but in reality, it's a, it's a, it's a ministry verse. It has nothing to do with dollars. It has to do that if you've, been, if you've received grace, give grace. If you've received love, whatever you've freely been given, give it away. Uh, you're doing that uh, in, in um, is your, is your hope and how will you go about creating uh, a second and third generation uh, so that when uh, you and I are too long in the tooth to do this, uh, the legacy left behind is, is not just a book I might've written, but rather a person that I've equipped uh, what do you have anything in your ministry that you're doing to multiply yourself or uh, making disciples of this incredible foundation of faith? You know, I think I heard a, a statement once that said it's it's my job to love people and the Holy Spirit's job to convict them and God's job to to judge them. I'm really in the in the seed manufacturing business, if you will. I mean, we don't sell anything; we give it away for free. But I have seen the, seen the seeds that we have planted transform lives. I, Leonard, there was a gal that walked by our ministry booth. We were at a, at, a, at a conference at a church. And this gal walked by our booth and kind of did a double take. And she walked up to me and she says, were you guys at a Christian concert? Then she gave them the name of the artist. And she said, I saw a 30-second ad about your, your mobile app. Is that, is that your mobile app? And I said, yeah, that's, that's our app. What did, you, what did you think about it? And she looked at me and she was just stunned. And she says, I just need to tell you that I downloaded your mobile app. And she says, I'm a biology student at a UC, at UC Davis, one of the leading 11 universities in the state of California. She says, I'm a biology student there. I saw your app advertised. I downloaded and your app has changed my life. Hmm. She said, I couldn't stop watching it. I watched <clears throat> through all your videos. I've completely morphed 
how I view evolution versus creation now. I've completely changed my mind. I'm a creationist now. I've seen the, the, the lies of evolution. I don't believe in any of that stuff anymore. But I was able to talk with her and said, look, let's go one step further. Now you have changed you know, this app and, and the God's truth has changed your life, but now you're going to grow up, get married someday, have kids. And now they're, your kids' lives are going to be different also because you've been awakened to the truth of the historicity of the gospel all the way back to Genesis. So that's what we're doing this for. And Leonard, it's amazing. We get stories like that probably weekly from people who appreciate the work that we're doing. So yeah, we want to give it away for free and it's God's work doing the change. We, we just, we just go through the Bible and try to build evidence that gets coupled with the book of Genesis and give it out to the world as freely as we can. Oh man, I love that. And I, I know because I have uh, interacted with people who have benefited from your work and your ministry and they just talk about how simple and solid it is. Um, and one right. of the one of the sentences from uh, the writer of Hebrews is, um, uh, "Do not throw away your confidence, because it has mm -hmm. a great promise of reward." And it was written to people who were losing their confidence uh, in the promise of God. Uh, they were Jewish mm -hmm. people who had followed Jesus, and now they're going back. And that's why Hebrews says. Jesus is better than the angels, Moses, the law. Uh, he is the high priest and the king who enters on his own merit. And he says, so don't throw away your confidence. That's and good. One of the blessings that I see uh, coming from you and the ministry you do is, is uh, you're helping people say, I don't have to get rid of my confidence. Mm. And so I just really appreciate that about about you and the ministry and the journey that God's taken you on and the clear way in which you approach um, I actually understood most everything you said today. I'll look up a couple words. I wrote them down. Um, <laughs> but uh, just being able to hear that. Um, and uh, the other thing about it that I just appreciate is I just don't hear any anger. Uh, you mm. know, uh, there's a lot of people doing apologetics that um, in all kinds of fields that just come across so angry. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're broken and stupid. That's why I got to present this to you. And what I hear in you is just a passion uh, for how shaping and life-shaping this is. Well, uh, thank you, Leonard. I, I have to, of course, attribute the, the, the Lord to that. And let me give you one reason why. I realized, I think I realized it when God did call me into ministry, but I realized it even more about a year ago when I had a tough bout with COVID, when the Lord humbled me and brought me to the realization, and basically it was this son you didn't understand the truth of Genesis because you're smart. It wasn't your epiphany. It wasn't your wake up call. I am the one who led you to that truth. And when I understood that it was God alone, because the Bible says that faith is a gift and God has gifted me with the realization that it's all true. And a lot of people, I can't be mad at them. They're on the faith journey. And it's the Lord is the one who's going to have to open their eyes. If it's going to stick, it has to be the Lord. And so I can't get mad at them if it's the Lord's, uh, if it's the Lord's doing, it has to be his doing and faith is a gift. And that's, uh, that was a real humbling realization for me. And I, I do hope it comes across in our ministry and in the work that we do and in, and in my voice, because it, it's a gift and, and people will come to this understanding when they, when they themselves receive that, that gift from the Lord. Boy, I hear that it is coming across. I can tell you that much. There is a, you use this word about seven times now, um, humble, humbling, humble yourself uh, in, in reference. We, we tell pastors that, that God humbles no one um, because humility is a choice that we make, uh, but he'll sure humiliate you. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. You Good know, point. But, yeah. You know, can you and I have both seen enough people who've been humiliated, humiliated, but chose pride as a response. Um, yes. And yeah. um, and so you attribute so well the Holy Spirit's work in you as you humbled yourself before God. Um, you know, the exalting yeah. that He gives you is not necessarily status, but Himself. Uh, oh, true that. That that's and, great, Leonard. Yeah. And so. Um, is there anything, um, you know what, I, I wanted to ask you just, we've, we've kind of moved around it, we've circled around it. Um, uh, tell me, uh, 
Tell me why you just think Genesis is so important. You know, I, I think it's really important um, for two reasons. First, it's foundational to the gospel. I think there's really no way around that. And if you don't believe that just from the Genesis account itself and the promise of salvation that comes through Genesis chapter three, then believe it from Romans five and first Corinthians 15 that talk about death came through the sin of one man. Where did that sin come? It came from Genesis. So I think that's really key. And then the other part would be, if truth doesn't start on the first page, how many more pages do I have to flip before I run into it? Mm -hmm. You know, I meet some Christians today, particularly in the millennial age bracket, that will cop out of Genesis and say, well, I'm a, I'm a New Testament Christian. I believe just in the, in the New Testament. But I'm like, you know, well, well, Jesus wasn't that way. Jesus referred back to the Old Testament 42 times. And every single time he did, it was in a historical context. And there's all kinds of references back from not only the gospels, but the epistles that all go back to Genesis. So it has to be all true, but it's a holistic plan. It's a holistic word of God. I went out to lunch with a Messianic Jewish person once, and I was referring, oh, the Old Testament says this, and the New Testament says this, and the Old Testament says that, and he just stopped me. And he said, just stop doing that. I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, he says there's just scripture. There's no Old Testament, New Testament. There's just scripture. And yes, there's the old covenant of the law and the New mm -hmm. Testament of grace. I understand that, but but uh, for me, I have been born again, again, when I came to a committed understanding that God's word is true, starting from the first page. And it's been a gift and it's been a journey that started when I made that, uh, that faith jump about 10 years ago to believe in the, the, the truth, the historicity of Genesis, starting from the first page. And now there's a movie coming out. Uh, you said it's in production. It's Noah's Flood. Uh, give us give us a commercial and we're going to put a link to that in our notes but give us a commercial for that i would love to uh uh you don't have to sell it but just sort of tell us tell, tell me why i gotta i gotta see this uh, sure so people can go to uh the movie's website which is www.noahsflood.com without the apostrophe s somehow we were blessed enough to just get noahsflood.com is our website we partnered with Answers in Genesis, we did all the filming there. They were kind enough to let us in their, their full-size ARC encounter. Then we did the other filming at Liberty University. We've got about 11 PhD experts that focus in different areas of the flood. Uh, and we partner with uh, Ralph Stren, the director and producer at Sevenfold Films to, pr to pr uh, produce this movie. We're co-producing it together. And uh, it's gonna come out in July, 2023. And we are really, really excited. It's going to be a photorealistic journey of what happened during Noah's flood. And he's got some surprises in there that are just going to be amazing. He's the director producer of the film called Genesis Paradise Lost, which is probably the leading creation film done in history. It's the number four in Christian cinema right now. And uh, he's able to borrow a lot of those underlying assets to produce this movie because they, they were his in the, in the first place. So he's going to be drawing on a lot of that. The, the water simulations, the physics, the animations, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be a realistic and scientific journey back through time of exactly what happened during Noah's flood. So we're real excited about it. Well, I'm excited to see water come from the ground and the canopy fall and, and how that story is told and how it unfolds. Um, yes. and that's very, we very good. Still. The, um, the final question I have for you is, um, it's obvious you're helping other people say yes. It's, uh, it's obvious that God has spoken to you, Dan, very clearly. Um, and I so admire and respect that. And, uh, and, and, um, uh, and is there anything else you want to tell us that you'd say this, we didn't get to talk about that, but it, I, it just matters so much to me. You know, I, I think, Leonard, the most important thing I could say to your, your listeners would be, it's all true. You can trust it. Yeah. And if you take that perspective from the first parts of scripture all the way through scripture and even believe the, the parts that might be hard to believe and you allow scripture to stand over you as you rest under the authority of scripture, it will change your life's destiny on a daily basis. Mm. It's a daily decision. The decision that you that you make come they emanate from emanate out from your beliefs. So what do your beliefs come from? If they're based on the Bible, including Genesis, your choices and your decisions are going to come from those beliefs about how do I view other people? What about the race groups? 
What about marriage? What about divorce? What about drinking? What about all these other things are going to emanate through your view of scripture? So I would say uh, the most important thing I could say is it's all true starting from page one. That is the best input uh, <clears throat> that we could receive. Uh, I just drove through the Himalaya mountains two weeks ago. Uh, we went all the way from one side to the other in India. We didn't go into Nepal, but uh, uh, to be standing there in the Himalaya mountains, nobody nobody goes into that kind of majesty at 16, 17,000 feet and says, man, I'm big. Uh, you go to that majesty and say, I'm so small. And uh, that's that's really the message I hear you saying when it comes to scripture. You don't walk into scripture and say, man, I'm big. You walk into scripture and say, uh, teach me something about you, God. Um, and uh, wow. I'm small, but I'm important. Wow. I matter. I bear your image. Um, and yeah. so uh, with those things, uh, Dan, I am, I'd love to have you back sometime. I'm so grateful. Uh, I love, I love your story. Uh, I love your family. Um, and I uh, appreciate you uh, greatly. Thank you for joining us today on Say Yes and Become. Make sure you follow us on Say Yes Pod on Instagram or Twitter. Like us wherever you find us. Leave us a good rating. And we will see you next time on Say Yes and Become.